0: Good evening, good evening, once again, it's time for another podcast, time for a- another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast, I'm KG, of course, joined by Doc, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, once again, we're uh, without the Fifth Ward Wildcat, he takes care of a personal business, you got a lot to get on, a lot to discuss, right off the bat though, I want to say, if it's finally arrived, listeners, loyal listeners, you know what I'm referring to. The Pot, the uh, Facebook page is now ready and posted. It is KD Fifth World Wildcat and Doc. Search for it. Like it. Please do. I just created it Sunday, so it's brand spanking new. So we're going to post uh, podcast links on that page as well as get your point of posting topics. So uh, letting you know when we're going to have our next podcast. Probably post questions for you to answer and interact with us as well as give you a chance to Ask us questions or things you like for us to discuss during our podcast. So go to Facebook, look for KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc Podcast. My oh, man, Doc, how are you, sir? Doing well. A lot going on. Get your dancing shoes on. Get your dancing shoes on. Very good. And you are definitely right on the point with that. What do you want to talk about? Men's side first, women's side. What what what, what do you want to kick off with?
1: Uh, since it's hot in the action, let's go with the women's side. I mean, you have the number one team versus the number three team going on in the country right now, and as you would have suggested, UConn is a machine that can't be stopped. But let's give an update and let's give our thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, the American Championship, the final of the uh, final the championship game in the American Athletic Conference, took place and it just wrapped up a few minutes ago. Number one team in the country blasted the number three team in the country. Louisville, you know us, Connecticut Huskies, number one. Louisville's number three. It's the third time UConn has beaten Louisville by at least 20 points this year. Final score was 72-52. Breonna Stewart, Explain All-American. Explain me.
1: Hold on. We can't do it. Explain to me. This is a top five matchup.
0: Yeah. They have
1: beat them previously two other times. Now, right. this is the third time. Right. And none of the games have even been closed.
0: The last Monday's game was at Louisville. On the home court and, and Louisville led 7 nothing or 10 nothing. They jumped out on them. Things, uh, settled down for the Huskies and they pulled the, you know, walked them down and threw the game wide open. So it's mental. I think this is now the 15th straight time that Louisville head coach Jeff Walls and the Cardinals have lost to Gina Oriyama and UConn. Part of it's mental. That's, that's, wow. that's one big thing, one big factor throughout all these teams on the women's college basketball side is that not enough of them believe that they can beat UConn, and I'm going to take it even a step further. It's not just the players. I truly believe that many coaches do not believe that they can beat UConn. They coach differently. They coach going into the game with a mindset of let's not get embarrassed or let's play not to lose instead of playing to win. I think that's part of it as well. So you don't think the talent gap is necessarily big? That's part of it. No, don't get me wrong. You know, UConn, that's All-Americans up and down the roster. I'm saying you believe it is the gap.
1: We know their talent, but do you believe the gap is that 20-plus point difference? Or is it that they have a gap where they should be winning games, but if you coach your team in such a way in the talent you have, that it shouldn't be maybe a 25-point blowout? It shouldn't
0: be this vast. Especially when you look at Connecticut has, they go six or seven deep. That's all they play. Six or seven deep. So if you have a deep roster, if your team goes nine, 10, 11 deep, forcing them to go 12 deep, then personally, I would coach differently. I would coach more aggressive. I would get in UConn's jersey from the inbound, 94 feet, make them work as much as possible, and make those players expend energy as much as possible for the entire game.
1: As you watched and really you know, one of the preeminent riders in, in in regards to uh the women's side, particularly, over the last couple of years, which teams have tried to do that and had some of success?
0: Obviously we know they got beat, they got beaten Notre Dame is by Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the best matchup for the and best Is it because of that? Style of player. Style of play, uh, style of play is part of it. To? They have they have players, they have coaches. They, first and foremost, they believe they can do it. Oh, that's first and foremost, mm-hmm. but they do have the talent to match up with them physically, um, athletically, on sideline as well. And Coach Muscle McGraw, she did not take a backseat to Geno in terms of in terms of X's and O's. So it's all those factors that play into it, and they they do play physical with them. They match UConn's physicality, mm-hmm. you know, pick for pick, elbow for elbow, shoulder for shoulder. They can do that. So that's part of being. Conference members for the previous, you know, how long, many years before this year when UConn went to, well, now the American formerly the Big East, and Notre Dame moved to the Atlantic Coast Conference where they won, first year as a member of the, the ACC where they won the conference championship and the regular season championship. They're also undefeated. So Notre Dame and UConn are the top two teams in the country. They both have all Americans. Doc and I are members and voters for the United States. Basketball Writers Association awards and an email just came out today asking us to submit our ballots for the women's awards that's right. due on Sunday. So I look forward to, to doing that. Got my
1: hand for the men just so
0: uh, I did too. So looking forward to that. They're going to on the men's side. We're going to announce winners of US day awards on Tuesday. So we'll see how that is. Who was your player of the year on the fellow side? We're about all around. Yeah, Doug McDermott from Creighton.
1: Uh, it, it was. I wanted to look for some reason why I couldn't get him. Just to think thinking I was being fair or, you know, sure. probably at that be honest with you, overthinking it really. Sure. And when I looked at it, I was like, no, it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah, it's no
0: brainer. I don't think no that's
1: it shouldn't really be that close of a vote. I think some other was. team other players that are talent, but oh yeah. Just what he did this year, what he's done over his career, when I look at everything, I know it's not a career achievement, but still when you look at everything what he's done this year, what he's done for the team. Mm-hmm. The other landscape in terms of what players this year have done, I think he
0: uh d- Did his part, and I think and my vote reflected that. And I think in this final home game, he scored forty-five points on not fifteen or twenty shots, so he was, he was very efficient. Yeah. And
1: to get to the question, get this out of the mm-hmm. way. Sure. You know how do you think he projects on the next level? I know it's not always fair to do. No, no, no. That's I know some of the podcasters I believe probably want to know. Yeah,
0: that's that's fair. And I think he will be better than people believe. And I will talk this, and it sounds kind of strange to say this, but I, some scouts, fans, coaches have doubts. First and foremost, because he's Caucasian. Yep. And they don't believe, and they don't believe he's athletic enough, right? Athletic enough to get it done on the next level. But he's a better athlete than people realize, want to give credit for. He's an excellent shooter. He can put the ball on the floor. His defense will, his defense will be Questionable, night in, night out, going against other. And I think that's the key
1: you put it out there. Uh, You have a lot of guys that have been able to transcend to the next level uh, because they were shooters and hadn't had the success. When you look at Reddick, who's you know he made himself
0: into a good NBA player. player, His first few years, he struggled mightily.
1: Struggled, but now he's uh, very serviceable. I should play. I don't want to even put that on. He's actually a pretty good player in terms of when you look at the landscape of NBA. Well, one of the key differences of between those players that are able to really get it done in college and transition to pro is the fact that you have to be able to put the ball on the floor yes. if you're going to really transcend at the NBA level. Uh, pretty much all of players can shoot uh, wide open shots. And I don't think people understand when they shoot, see the shooting percentage and it's low. A lot of that is because it's so difficult in the game to really get your shot off. So those players that can do it and do it at a high clip and do it well, I don't think we give enough credence when we look because our eyes kind of deceive us when we're talking about, look and we kind of look at the uh, statistics in terms of shooting percentage and say, well, man, these guys can shoot. They can shoot. A lot of it has to do with the defensive part of it. Now, they may not have shooted some of our favorite players in the past, but I think as people fade further and further in the past, we do have a different recollection of how they play. Let me put that out there too, as well. So you look at people like uh, Parks, uh, right here in Houston, who plays a, a very a solid game in terms Chandler of Chandler Parsons. Yeah, Chandler Parsons. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. In terms of what he's able
0: to do, and a lot of that is because he can put the ball on the right. floor. He Chandler is is probably more athletic than Doug McDermott, but Doug McDermott is as much. That's much sure. better yeah, park. No, no yeah. question about that.
1: But I'm saying that, sure. that that ability, since we're putting this white guy right. yeah. uh, on him, you know, you compare him to some of the guys out sure. there in the league that have had some success. And those are the things that you got to look at. As you said, is his ability to shoot and put the ball on the board to make him deadly. And uh, I think I agree with you that He's a, he'll have some pretty good success. And
0: also, too, what he has going for him is he's been part of uh USA basketball from the NBA's. Um, oh, I'm glad you brought that. Future teams, basically, you know, college players competing against other NBA players help them prepare for the international competition. i And, glad he, you that and up. he shined in all those. All right. I'm I glad believe. You
1: brought that up. And it also prepares him because you're also right. oftentimes getting coached by uh, professional players, right? So they're working on skill sets. Mm-hmm. Then all. Is- will not only make you successful in terms of international play, but a lot of that will transcend to the NBA. So he has a chance to go back and work on certain things during the year as he's progressing, which I think is also a benefit in terms of why the game has changed a lot, both on the offensive defensive Mm -hmm. of skill set in terms of what we've seen in the past and what we see with young men now that I don't think always is talked about. So I'm glad that you really brought that up because a lot of people ignore that. Again, I think we get so excited about our Players in the past, and I just bring this up because there was some discussion about, uh, 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 LeBron and, and some people having some negative talks on him, and I don't want to go through that path. We got more important things to do, but it kind of sticks in my craw when you see that, uh, when you have these players that, that want to old school players, Barclays and, and now Dominic sure. Wilkins. Right. Kind of downplaying people. And I think a lot of it goes back, and I will say this, goes back to the decision. And not necessarily because of how he made the decision in their eyes is the fact that I think these guys are a lot smarter in terms of understanding the business model that surrounds them now and that you cannot transcend the game without winning the championship. So I think you have players uh, that were dedicated to their craft, and at the time they didn't really understand how important it was for their legacy in terms of winning the championship. And so now they're kind of upset when some of these guys chase that because they know the importance in terms of being a transcendent player and being what they refer to now as a global icon is the fact that you got to add championships. So the fact that somebody would change uh, where they played and team up with somebody has pissed a lot of those guys off that had to stay with the team for so long and didn't understand how beneficial it should have been to their career if they would have considered that during their career. Well, yeah, what the young that, people was calling them. That's what it is. But I see it as them, these players being more smart in terms of understanding the model of business that they operate, which goes back again to the platform you talked about that they started younger, molding these players right. and understanding what it means to be a professional player and getting the skill sets to be ready to do that. So they come out even much more prepared in terms of the total part of their game, both on the court and off the court right. in terms of the business right. practices. But let's get back to this women, and I'll, I'll share the mic back with you sure. in terms of on the women's side. I want to get into a little HBCU uh love here, women's, and then we'll look at men's, and then we can take off from there in okay. terms of a greater a variety of women looking at maybe some U of H talk. Oh, yeah, we're going go to go talk about them. Mm-hmm. And so first thing I want to talk about Black College, the tournament, the MEAC, has started today. And so we have some outcomes of games that are been played, because we said we really want to get into games that are in motion, but we'll talk about games that have been played. On the women's side, you had Florida A&M over Delaware State, 86 to 58. You had Norfolk State, uh, losing to Maryland Eastern Shore, 70 to 66. And you had Savannah State over Morgan State, 82 to 71. Uh, only upset there would have been Maryland Eastern Shore over Norfolk State. Um, Maryland Eastern Shore came in conference-wise, 4-12, 9-20 overall. And Norfolk State was 12-16, to 8-8 in the conference race. So you see a little upset there. The rest of them, no upsets. Uh There was a Norfolk State one on the men's side tonight to jump into the men's side. The women tomorrow will play Uh in terms of swack action right here in Houston. So some things to keep your eye on in terms of big matchups there on Tuesday night. This is uh, Prairie View Uh on the men's side. will play Mississippi Valley tomorrow. That's an 8. First nine matchup. Match this team will go and play Southern, who's the number one seed in terms of the tournament. Uh, we talked about this and we'll put it out there one more time. Southern, in terms of both men's and women's, are not eligible to go into the tournament. Uh, Valley, Ar- uh, Gramlin, and Arkansas Pine Bluff cannot win the tournament and proceed to go to the NCAA. Uh The first three are APR issues. The second one is. Cap, which is under the APR issue in terms of and theirs, was not directly related to not meeting the APR scores, but their data in terms of reviewing, in regards to what they submit for to calculate the APR scores, was so bad that they couldn't even review it. So they put them on punishment, and that's really for all sports. Now let's stop right. There. Let's basketball. stop right there. I knew we had to get into it, so I said, "Let's yeah, let
0: the in. swag in their infinite wisdom." You you and I discussed this—the possibilities of there only being six men's teams participating in the, in the SWAC tournament here in Houston, based on APR and not team student athletes teams schools not qualifying. And last podcast, you touched on that it was being discussed. Presidents were discussing their options that they would finally decide and agree upon. I think they sent the proposal to the NTAA. And you did discuss the one of the possibilities was that they would allow all 10 schools yeah, jumped ahead of to participate. And lo and behold, that is what the NCAA approved.
1: Yeah, they said this was a one-time approval.
0: They said it was uh, quite drastic and
1: unprecedented was the term they used. Uh, I put in quotes exactly what they said, unprecedented. And they did say in the summer. That they would ask the SWAC to revisit this and they were not likely to agree upon this for next year. So there should be some changes. Um, but I think branding the SWAC wise, I thought that was a difficult decision to make. The only thing that I could rationalize to suggest why you would make this, they put it on other players, which I think is a good thing. It's hard to argue that. But I think the real issue was in terms of maybe, um, the Toyota Center over there and Harris County Sports Authority. In terms of contractual agreements, having some frustration with the number of games that were going to be played versus what would have been played if you only had six on the men's side and nine. You're talking about knocking out essentially at least two games, possibly three in terms of this. Now you go back at 10, you get all even more games uh, than you would probably prescribe to have with thinking that you only had seven on the men's side and all 10 on the women's side, So. I think contractually had to do with this, but to me that was kind of looking at two things. Either you're going to punish yourself now in terms of the financial money and take the reputation and branding hit later, or you take the reputation hit now. In some way, I think you're still going to lose financially later. So I think either way you're going to lose, it's just dependent on what did you think was best. And I always figure that you try to uplift your brand as much as possible before you allow that to be valued. Because that's long-term effects in terms of your financial stability.
0: Because what's going to happen is a very distinct possibility mm-hmm. that Southern, on both men's and women's side, won the SWAC regular season. Neither are eligible to go to the NCAA tournament. Right. But as a favorite, as number one seed, both have, a, have the best chance no to question. advance to the championship game on each side which means during that broadcast, the announcers will say a few times, at least more than once, viewers, keep in mind now, the Southern cannot go to the NCAA tournament because they are ineligible.
1: Well, the problem you have is you have four out out of six. You have a 40% chance that they may happen to some degree. It gets a little complicated than that because you're talking about multiple matches and multiple games, but just overall percentage, I'm going to say four out of ten. So just to keep the match simple. Let's, let's and do a, a doomsday
0: scenario on the fella side. Southern plays uh Bluff.
1: No, well they that could be a that that'll happen as early as a quarterfinals uh excuse me in terms of a semifinals match. Okay. But you could have Gramlin so, that's far
0: fetched. It is, but this day let's say, let's put so out there. Gramlin and Southern reach the championship game. Yeah. Gramlin is what what's he there? I know that's really Gremlin what, is ten. Ten that's they're, they're, they're dead far-fetched. last so yeah so but this, let's just say for example, if Gramlin Southern Reach the championship game. neither team, neither of those two teams are eligible right. for the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, I think they got a huge break because you have three of the teams playing in the same bracket.
0: Okay. So that, that is fortuitous.
1: Right. So it makes it more likely that one of them is going to be there, but it also makes it less likely that you have a championship game with two teams.
0: Right. So, so lessens the, lessens the possibilities of the announcer saying either, neither of these two teams are eligible for the NCAA championship, NCAA tournament, but they are playing for the SWAC championship. No, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so okay.
1: But yes, talking on you the have Ma- uh, to get it back. We just talked about tomorrow's game, which is Prairie View Valley. There's a good chance that Prairie Valley could win that game. Yeah. over well, Prairie View Prairie View's really sliding. Prairie View hasn't in the won season. since they beat TSU. Right. Yeah. And they're sliding. So you're talking about six straight, seven straight losses. So they're playing uh, poorly. So you could get that one versus nine. Uh, which means one of those teams obviously would go to the semifinal. Mm-hmm. You have Arkansas, Palm, Left, and Alabama, A&M. They split this year. So there's a flip up there. Right. So literally you could see in the semifinals, two teams guarantee uh, one of them going into the championship game. Yeah. So that's
0: why I said it's very likely yeah. you're going to get it on one side. Wow. But on a brighter note, the SWAC announced the honors, all SWAC honors today. And, uh, TSU, both sides got player of the year. Yeah, that's big. Jasmine yeah, Parker on the women's side and Eric Murray on the men's side. Eric Murray was also named the defensive player of the year. So I thought
1: that was you big too. And, and let me ask problem. you:
0: Did you put Eric Murray on your regional team, regional ballot for our all, all district? Yes, I did. Okay, I, I did as well. I so yeah. I, it. I
1: thought they it. So you know, I, I was very judicial in terms of really splitting it out. Uh, the way I kind of looked at it was obviously points average and all that kind of good stuff. But I also looked at uh players that made uh, weekly. Announcements looking between Big 12, obviously, SEC. Because mm-hmm. when we look at our region, we're talking about Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Right. So I looked at the SEC, Big 12, then I came down and looked at Conference USA, uh, obviously Sunbelt. I looked at uh, uh, Southland, SWAC, as well uh, as the American um, there. And the American one. The okay. It, yeah. I, forget. I always forget the conference name. Sure. I oh, think yeah. Forget the teams. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I pretty much had a very spread, uh well-rounded. I would like to think in terms of all the players in the, that were really top in those conferences that represented either Texas, uh, Arkansas, or Louisiana.
0: All right. Um, well, we had, like I said, ThU had player of the year on both sides. Uh,
1: also, as you talk about when you look at the uh, big another announcement coming out of Texas, they had the newcomer of the year, Sarah Williams. Yeah. Uh, big, 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 big kudos there. In terms of coach of the year, we're both Southern, uh, Roman Banks, Sandy Pugh. I will say this in terms of what they had found out in the middle of the season, to continue to get those yep. ladies and gentlemen to play hard, uh, and finish at the top when some people would suggest, uh, not a lot to play for. And they did take a little dip. So Right at the ship and got them back up. Because mm-hmm. right after the announcement, both men's and women's lost a game over the next two weeks. Right. And, and made the race a little closer. Uh, basically on the women's side, it came down to a Texas Southern Southern game, uh, for the championship. So definitely agree with Sandy Pugh on the women's side in terms of what she was able to do, bouncing back from last year, which brings us to Coop. Gotta give a shout out to yes. Cynthia Cooper. She did win over there in Southern Cal first year, came out the box and won the Pac-12 tournament.
0: After beating Stanford number four or five ranked Stanford in the country, Stanford in the semifinals of the Pac-12 on Saturday, 72-68 was the final, came back, Sunday evening to win the uh, Pac-12 championship game over Washington State.
1: Constant winner. So um, I'll say it. If U of H, when the job comes over, if they don't at least try to find a way to make a grab out of it, uh, boy, they're, they're lost in terms of not getting that done. That's crazy. to me. But let's give out a couple of more. Freshman of the year on the women's side was Ashley Bills, Mississippi Valley State. Uh, defensive player of the year was Conquera, Alfred, Alabama State. On the men's side, we told you both player of the year. Defensive player was Eric Murray. the Southern. Newcomer of the year was Calvin Godfrey of Southern. Definitely agree with that. Freshman of the year was Trey Luan Banks. That is the son of Roman Banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, they got a nice catch in terms of father-son relationship. Freshman of the year, kudos to him as they look forward to getting done. Let me sneak this in for the MEAC because we look at all HBCUs in terms of what I do. Mm-hmm. David Six, Hampton University. If uh somebody <laughs> at the mid major level, if you don't call Hampton because they show do get it done, I at least they look at them on the women's side pretty much as a mid major program, how consistent they are. But if mid major, uh, in terms of more financial, doesn't look seriously <laughs> at giving David six boys, something's wrong with the world. Player of the year, Jasmine Grice, I had her at the beginning. She lived up to the hype, got it done, Florida A and M. Uh she had a little more talent around the Florida A and M would be really solid with what they're doing. But let's see how far they can go in the tournament. It should be interesting to watch to see if
0: they can catch fire.
1: Rookie of the year is what they look at over there in the MEAC. was Malia Tate, DeFrentes out of Hampton. And defensive player of the year was Elise Bennett, also out of Hampton. Uh which makes sense. They were sixteen and over right. this is two years in a row, sixteen and right. you. Uh as we talked about earlier in the year beating some uh BCS programs, as we call them, football. Getting them to come down their court so they respect if nobody else respected the VCS program. That's two years in a row that they were able to get a VCS program at home. And their head coach David, is named
0: who? David Six. And I because I want the listeners to put in to contact University of Houston and ask.
1: Yeah, I think you're crazy, not the least Thank asking is interesting. If you're gonna do your homework, no matter who you're looking at and, and find out, he may not uh Come out on top in your match, but you're not doing your homework. You don't look at this guy. Then let's get into the men's side in terms of what they were able to do on that side. Coach of the year, Lavelle Morton, North Carolina. Mouton, basically what they call it, North Carolina Central University. He's won all everywhere he's been. He won a championship when he played there at the Division Two level. Now he's brought that program as a transition from Division Two to Division One. Uh, played really well all the way up, and then finally got in the position where he's had a championship run. Remember, this is a guy that, uh, and the team that has beat North Carolina State. Right. In terms of preseason. Right. They've gotten one APA post. So I think it's another guy that, uh, if you're looking for a coach on the men's side, you least interview. Right. I'm, I'm never going to tell you who to get for your program because a lot of it does have to do with fit. But if you don't least interview this person and, and look at him, you're not doing your work. Player of the year was Jeremy Ingram, North Carolina Central. Uh, kudos to him. He definitely deserved it. He plays really well. Uh, rookie of the year, James Daniel for Howard. Uh, defensive player of the year was Devon Maxwell of Hampton University they kind of spread the love in terms of what was going on there. Uh, um, first team kudos for those players over there as they continue to get it done. Very talented in the MIAC. Hampton should be a nice matchup if they find a way to get in final one or two. Be beautiful for television in terms of uh, the MIAC HBCU as they uh, really heads and shoulders right now over what the swag has being able to put on the floor. One thing I throw out there is that I keep it. Last year, we actually got this matchup. We had North Carolina Central play Southern in the tournament in the preseason before everything went down. North Carolina Central won the game, was close. Uh, they pulled it out one by five. I think it was something like that. Uh, under a 10 point, uh, win there. So I think it was interesting for them two teams to get it done. Remember, uh, North Carolina Central lost in the tournament after they were, like, second mm-hmm. in the league last year. Southern, obviously, got it done. Uh Was second in the league last year to Texas Southern, but got it done in the tournament as Texas Southern couldn't go right. right. So we should see – may see a reversal in the tournament this year. That would be interesting. Southern not being a in Texas being a number two seed catching fire late. So be interesting to see how they can rebound and, and make a run to see what they can do in the tournament. Another coach that you got to look at, too,
0: Yes, and we touched on it, and and the uh, top ten rankings will be on the, my website this evening with the Rockets playing Sunday night and going overtime, overtime. They have a chance to get the, the uh, top ten major division HBCUs posted last night, but I'll get both of those done this evening.
1: And I'll give you the number one team, and I'll let you go over there and get the entire top ten. We won't tie up too much time on that, but I'll, I'll give you uh, some of them there. Number one on either pole has not changed. They dominated they're getting all first-place votes and should get it done. You have Hampton Pirates on the ladies, nine first-place votes, 25-4, and 16-0 in terms of conference rates. Did it two years in a row. Uh, I'm just amazed at what they're able to do and just reload. They won the conference regular season, four to five last year, three straight. Just dominating performance uh, from the Lady pirates, uh, essentially the program. They just UConn at that level for right. what they do definitely at HBCU in terms of rebuilding. Are reloading, not rebuilding. Number one on the men's side is North Carolina Central Eagles, 25 and 5, 15 and 1. Miak has dominated both of these poles. One and two are Miak teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, one and two in the league. Uh, you drop down to number three before you get into Miak, which is Southern, both on the men's and That's women's right. side. Right. So I'll let you see the other top 10 when you go to the HRR.com and look what's going on in the Miak, uh, mid-majors will also come out tonight, right. which is interesting because so you got the tournament bids nca wise Give you that. Uh, give a little love as we drop down and look at the Division Two, in terms of that side. Very interesting Uh with uh, going off the scale with some people is University of District, uh, Columbia. Firebirds got a bid in terms of on the women's side to the playoffs. They are very solid. Virginia State and Shaw out of the CIAA. CIAA Shaw, that's another program that that man just dominates that league. He's won four straight tournament championships. Remember, he won a national championship at the Division II level two years ago. Uh, and then on the uh, SIEC is Benedict and Auburn State in terms of them getting it done. Shout out to Xavier for winning the uh, uh, Gulf Coast Athletic Conference NAIA. Uh, Wiley College, friend of mine, alpha man that I played, i got to <laughs> give a little plug in there and what he did at Wiley uh, as he won a championship in terms of Red Rail Athletic Conference I'm really uh, proud of what he did, but on the NCA for the men, you have Livingston and Tuggese, Tuggese, Tuskegee. Excuse me, Tuskegee, in terms of what they did on the men's side, in terms of getting beat. Some people thought maybe Fort Valley got left out in terms of that, but a lot of good basketball playing. Like I said, put your dancing shoes on. It's time to get it done. Time to get it done.
0: Indeed, and, and <coughs> <coughs> Andre piggyback Payne on is that, the
1: coach I'm talking about over there at Wiley.
0: Piggyback on that with the Toyota Center hosting the SWAG Championship. I also want to acknowledge over in, in katie at the Merrill Center uh, this week that the Southland Conference Tournament men's and Women's will take place. I'll
1: be over there, too.
0: And I will as well. Definitely, we kind of
1: I got to get some love it. over there, Stephen. That's, also- that's where oh, I was I going. I know you're going there. That. That's
0: where I was going. They went 18-0. I got to see them. You know, in the conference they are, I believe, second or third now in the mid-major poll. Yeah,
1: multiple um, APA a, AP you know, you top know, getting the votes 0.
0: and uh CBS.com. I think Gary Paris is the one. He does a his top twenty-six poll. He has SFA ranked twenty-fourth, twenty-fifth in his poll. That is how good they are. So um, they losses
1: on the season.
0: Yes, and their home court winning streak, I think, is maybe only second to Duke. In the country with 31 or 32 straight wins at home for them. So they are somebody to watch. They're an excellent team. And, um, we finally have to acknowledge them. We touched on, you know, being Houston Baptist is a member of the Southland. We touched more on them uh, through these podcasts. We definitely want to finally acknowledge Stephen Foster for everything they've accomplished this season. Look forward to them. And the way the Southland conference tournament is set up, the top four Seeds advanced automatically to the semifinals. So uh, Stephen Fawson is already in the semifinals because it's only 18 go to the tournament this year. So they are already in the semifinals. The matchups start Wednesday. Uh, we have number eight seed Southeast Louisiana, versus number five Nichols at 5 p.m. And then game two will be number seven McNeese State versus number six Ole Roberts at 7:30. And then on Thursday, this is on, this is on the men's side, of course. The winner of game one for SE, Louisiana, will, will go get number four Northwestern State. And the winner of game two will go get number three San Houston State. So Stephen F. Austin does not play until my birthday, March 14th, on Friday. And they'll play until— the, early birthday. Thank you very much, sir. So in those— back to make sure
1: I buy you a bag of popcorn.
0: Please do, yes. And those games, the first two uh, days' will games will be on the Southland Conference Digital Network. So They'll be online. Friday's games will be on ESPN three, and then the championship game will be on ESPN two. That game is set to start at seven thirty Saturday, March fifteenth. So, and both of those, uh, the men's and women's schedules for the Southland are on my blogs at the Houston Round Bar Review website, HoustonRoundBarView.com, dot com, or as I also mentioned, VHRR dot com. And I will post the schedule for the SWAC as well, busy time of the year, you know, so the site's going to be filled with information, blogs, talk about the Rockets as well. So it's, it's all going to be up there, so just be patient with me. You know, one-person operation for now, for now. So, But the schedule is up. The SWAC uh, posted their brackets this morning, and that you also see it on Twitter. I, I retweeted the brackets on there, so you can see that as well, See the schedule. But as Doc mentioned, those games start Tuesday. So, um, PV will be the last game. Eight o'clock start on Tuesday, and I'll be then Toyota Center for that matchup versus Valley. i be tweeting about it as well.
1: Four um, on Tuesday, four on Wednesday, and, uh, four on Friday.
0: So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what the attendance is, fans, and media. So I'm kind of curious to see who all appears, you know, in the seats, and the media seats as well. So, exactly. Doc and I will be there. You can follow both of us. In fact, sir, let everybody know how they can follow you. Yes, yeah, so on
1: social media platforms. I'm on uh, Twitter, Facebook, as well as Instagram, and you'll see that uh, really hot and heavy this week. And we'll be at the tournament trying to cover. Make sure you get the action for those that can't be there uh, for whatever reason or just want, are there and want to see a different perspective. Uh, you can get me at Dr. Kenyatta Kavil, D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. Again, that's D-R. K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. Uh, you can also uh, send me an email directly at k at thg-agency dot com. That's k cavil c a v i l at thg-agency dot com. Um, or you can follow me on the www dot d h r r dot com in terms of those poll rankings to see. Who's hot and heavy to kind of give you an idea to keep your eye on, it, particularly this time of the year, for, for for those that are pulling out their brackets. You want to kind of get some insight of teams that you probably don't follow very much. That's a good place to begin.
0: And uh briefly, I am KG, Houston Round Bar Review website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com. Also the or the some folks say whatever depending on what part of the country you're from, the HRR.com. Twitter handle is the HR Review. Houston Round Bar Review is the YouTube channel, and also my Instagram account. And lately, those two have been busy with Rockets information. And let's get right on into it. Rockets come That's off a fantastic you week.
1: On it's been some hot basketball. they coming off this. a
0: fantastic week. James Harden, the beard, uh, named the name. player of the week uh, for the second consecutive week wow. after having a phenomenal week, which he capped off Sunday night. With a, listen to this stat line, listeners. 41 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 6 steals as he helped bring the Rockets back from a 12 point deficit and defeat the Portland Trailblazers Blazers 118, 113 in overtime. Beer was sensational. They tied the game up at 106 and held three pointer standing practically in front of the Blazers bench with 8 seconds left. Uh, bucket came from a cur- courtesy of an assist from Jerry Melan, who was also outstanding. last-last scoring 26 points off the bench. The Rockets are, are healthy, getting healthier. They're playing well. They've lessened the turnovers. They started the week beating the Heat 106-103 at home in a in, uh, hotly tested game. Crowd was nuts and, and bonkers in that game. Exciting game to watch. They went on the road Wednesday. Struggled but found a way to beat the Orlando Magic. And then Friday, came back here and just plastered the Indiana Pacers 112-86. to Took it to the Pacers. Pacers weren't in the From game. The I mean, Pacers made the first two buckets of the third quarter. Then the Rockets just took off and exploded and it erupted and blew the game wide open by the end of the third quarter. The game was over. It's garbage time, fourth quarter. And then they close out the week Sunday with a gut- gutty win over the Blazers. So they're playing well. Another tough week. They got... Oklahoma City on Tuesday, in OKC, then go to the Bulls, and then they have the Heat on Sunday as well for that three-game road trip right there. They're playing well, and there was a definite sellout, Heat and Pacers. Well, not necessarily a definite sellout Sunday versus the Blazers. There was an announcement sellout, but I saw a lot more in the seats than I did Friday versus the Pacers and Tuesday versus the Heat. Hey, I know this is football town. I know people sell out high school football games. I know all that. But the Rockets are fun to watch. They are going to make some noise in the playoffs. So, if you can afford it, because you can't even watch it at home <laughs> unless you got Comcast. So, if you can afford it, spend some money and get yourself down there to watch Rockets in person. You'll enjoy it. Trust me. The American Athletic Conference, women's side. We talked about uh, Connecticut wrapping up championship last Louisville uh earlier Monday. The Houston Cougars surprised me shocked me they won their first round matchup versus memphis on friday so give them their second win in conference um it, it was a shock so i'm not you know and i lost the bragging rights to one of my coaching buddies she told me that they would win at least once and i thought she was nuts and trust me after they won saturday one friday when they beat memphis i heard from her again and she's like, well, that's two wins. Now it didn't I'm like, okay, now you didn't read it. Now you can arrogant now. So, but yes, uh, they beat Memphis Friday, 73-67. <laughs> the seed Cook beat the 7th seed Memphis. Then Saturday, uh, the clock struck 12 on their season. Reality set, Reality set in. set in. They lost to Louisville, 88-43. I, after that, uh, loss, I posted on Twitter and let the job search begin. The official search is now open. Uh, and Doc, I think, also, he sent me the link to check out to see if the job has been posted online. I checked that. It wasn't there. I might check today, but it, you know, that's where you, you can go online and see if the job is posted. Yeah. And also, the Women's Basketball Coaching Association, WBCA also post a job opening on their site as well. That's wbca.org. Because I saw them post a the job opening at another uh, University earlier today. So, it's out there and, and as soon as I, tweeted that, that the official coaching search began. I got a tweet from someone who are the names that they're looking at. So they asked me already. And then Friday, 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 while I was at work, another coach, an assistant coach, started to follow me on Twitter. So I followed her back so we could do direct messaging because she wanted, she wanted some information about the job and she is going to apply for the job. Because she is interested in the position, and she also, as I've said in write-up and I said on the podcast, believes that this Houston job is a goldmine. So she, I'm not going to mention her name. I'm getting close and close to announcing the names of people who want this job. I'm not going to do that yet because their teams are still playing in tournaments, conference tournaments, or getting ready for the NCAA tournament, and I want to be fair to those current players. I want to keep them focused on their task at hand, so I don't want to do that just yet. But I, I am receiving information and inquiries about the job. So let's keep all that in mind. Big name.
1: And I've trust, name. yes,
0: trust and believe. There have coaches have contacted me from the West Coast, Midwest, to the East Coast, and the South. So once again, listeners, if you are a U of H alum, you have a way to email, call the athletic director, the senior and women's administrator, the people in charge of this hire, you need to let them know that there are people that you know, as you heard from KG, Chris Gardner, and the podcast, that there are folks who are qualified for this job and are you interviewing them for the job? Because the information I have from U of Hates is they are looking at some people who will be involved in the NCAA tournament. That least to giving some hope, but <laughs> that's some hope more than I had previously. Because keep in mind, let me just say this, and backtrack real quick. The folks who wanted the job, the folks who were the finalists for the job, three of the five finalists, the well, four of them you all know, Todd Buchanan, who got the job, Sandy Cooper Dyke, who went from PV, Wilmington, US, TSU, now the USC, Kelly Bond, technically A&M assistant coach, mm-hmm. Kelly Bond, A&M, and Travis Mays who was at Georgia, now is assistant at Texas. And there's a Kent State head coach that was Mac Brown tied to her from his previous job who was up there at Accra. Okay. Four of those coaches were all, personally, I thought, better qualified than Todd Buchanan. I was satisfied with it. all five as candidates. I was not satisfied with who they hired. So I would not put it past them despite whatever the final five or the ten may be then a cut down to five for this time until they announced they're higher. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Then I'll let you know if I agree with it or not. <clears throat> but trust me and be- when I tell you, if they hire who I think they should hire, happy days will be in Hawthorne mm-hmm. Pavilion soon, very soon. Especially with, uh, the board approving the $20 million for the basketball practice facility and the ground will be broken on that, uh, in May. So it's just a couple months away. And I got some inquiries about that as well. So folks want to know about that. So I said, yes, that's a done deal. And my response that I got, great. So, folks, coaches want this job. So it's up to the administration to do their part, do their due diligence, make the right hire, and then support that coach with the materials needed to succeed at the job. All right. The men... In the American Athletic Conference tournament starts, uh, I believe, on Tuesday or Wednesday, the Cougars are the sixth succeed in that, and they're going to play SMU. They lost to the Mustangs twice. So, get the third shot, we'll see if that, you know, cliche holds. It's tough to beat a team three times in one, one season. Right. So, we'll see if that.
1: I say that it's hard to beat a team three times in one season if the previous two games were close. Okay. Yep. you blew them out, let like you,
0: you that's, that's, that's a good no. That's addendum. the only
1: way I like the. Kind of put a caveat on it.
0: And that game will be, game versus SMU will be um, Thursday, 1 p.m., 6 versus 3, tournament taking place in Memphis. And the Cougars were playing well. They played well to wrap up and lock up the six seed, which uh guaranteed not playing in the opening round. So they would play in the quarterfinals instead of playing four games in four days, only playing possibly three. And that was important. They had a chance to finish 9-9 and in in the conference. Then they went on the road Friday at UCF and laid a big fat egg. Lost 104-83 versus the Knights. Defense was just horrible. Game was over pretty much 10 minutes in the ballgame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was all set and seemed some of my buddies in media were kicking around the possibilities already before this game. The possibilities of if, if the Cougars go 9-9 nine and nine in conference, is that enough to keep James Dickey as the head coach? And a lot of us all felt yes. If you're 99 in the conference as good as the American, then Dickey should keep his job. Then the team went out and laid that big egg and lost by 21 points, gave up 104 points to UCL. And I'm, I'm not even sure how many other teams the Cougars in conference gave up 100, 100 points to this year. And that includes Connecticut, Louisville, SMU, and Memphis. So, I was disappointed in that. And the showing, the lack of effort on defense, and it's, it's like all the bad habits returned in Friday's loss to UCF. So I we'll see how they play. They do match up fairly well on the court with SMU. But if it comes down to coaching. You have a Hall of Fame coach, Larry Brown, going against James Dickey. Advantage, Larry Brown, and SMU. So we'll see how that goes. That's not not a knock against James. Thank God I like him as a person, but he is not Larry Brown. Larry Brown is one every one, literally everywhere he's been, all every, every level he's coached. Right. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, selection Sunday will be on the 16th on the men's side. You will find out who's going to be the 68 team in the tournament. Ladies' selection Monday will be on the 17th. We'll find out. What other teams will be Lamb the Slaughter, the UConn, and Notre Dame setting up? It's a That's all set for Notre Dame and UConn to play the championship game in Nashville. We'll, we'll see what the other number one seeds are. Stanford, despite losing to the USC in the semifinals, will lock up a number one seed. They're hosting regional, so that's the lead eight round. Uh, round of 316, lead eight with a chance to go to the final four. Notre Dame is also number one seed, hosting, hosting the Tennessee Final Four. Louisville is also hosting regional. This will be the, this is the last, this is one, this is an aberration. Because typically, typically regional sites are neutral sites. But this year, in order to get more butts in the seats, it was approved to allow the regional rounds to be hosted on campus. Next year, we'll go back to the neutral sites. So we have Notre Dame, Nebraska, who won the Big 10 championship, Louisville and Sanford hosting regional sites. Nebraska's, if the threes are falling, they have a chance to make the North. However, if Connecticut is the number one seed in the Nebraska region, Nebraska ain't going no further than playing Connecticut. So let's get right. that clear right there. <laughs> so, touching a lot of things here, I, I want to acknowledge this today, earlier today, a, a true icon, uh, Legend, high school, Houston high school legend, Houston Cougar legend, uh, Rob Weems passed away today. He got 52 years of age of congestive heart failure. One of the all-time leading scorers in school history. He helped lead the Cougars to the Final Four in '82. Got drafted by the Nuggets. Rob had some personal demons that he, he dealt with. He got in trouble with alcohol and drugs and things like that. And and some alums are still convinced that Rob got drunk before the game, semifinal game against North Carolina this is one of the reasons why the crew played so poorly in that, in that loss to, to Tar Heels. So, may he rest in peace. And let me just say this, um Jerome Solomon, friend and colleague with Chronicle, tweeted that a lot of folks believe, especially a lot of old heads, believe Rob Wins is the best high school player to ever come out of Houston. Period. And our own Rob Cooper that said it's either Rob or Eddie Owens. We Wildcat were here. I know who he picked. Eddie Owens. Eddie Owens. No doubt. But the fact that it came down to those two.
1: Yeah. No type of legend.
0: So you know that's, that's the real deal. And I will add because I had to honor because every time I have a chance to just be in the same room with Coach Bobby Lewis, it just overwhelms me. A few years ago, I had a chance to ask him. And I, I mentioned to him that Ralph said we had a little debate about who was better, Eddie Owens or Rob. You know, and Coach I Lewis. Want hear, I want to hear this. Coach Lewis recruited Rob, out you know from Millby High School. Coach Rob at, at U of H. Coach Lewis said Eddie Owens was better than Rob Williams. So that's how, was how great Eddie Owens was. And if you don't know who he is? Google him. Trust me. Trust me. Google Eddie Owens. Well, he won't be awake. You will not. You you'll be surprised at what he did in, in his. High school and college career because you had a successful college career at UNLV, so trust me on that one. Now I know younger generation will get into the TJ Fords and those young dudes like that being better than than Rob and yeah, on, but you it's know. such
1: a different game. So yeah, from those times, right? But it's right. it's a great debate. Trust the me. The fact that you could put your name in a hat of top ten
0: because let the debate begin. Because Daniel Gibson is the all time leader scorer in the area from Jones High School. And HIV product, I must say, uh, I'm proud to say, when HIV was really, really good. But that's another issue. So yeah. Dana Gibson, TJ Ford, a lot of young kids nowadays tying it all in to this. And Doc, I like you. I'm inviting you to attend this April third, Thursday, April third. We are having our Guy V. Lewis Ward presentation to announce the Guy V. Lewis Ward winner. Be the third year in a row we've had uh, the, the banquet. This year's banquet is going to take place in the Athletic uh, Alumni Center on U of H campus in the o- o- Great O'Quinn, the O'Quinn Great Hall. Our top 10 will be announced on the website, org this Saturday. Fans can vote for it. Coaches can vote for it as well. So coaches, high school coaches, get ready. because we will be seeking your input and your vote. You'll be emailing me your votes. So... Um, we have our top 10. I'm not going to announce it yet, but we have it out there. It's set to start. The, the award presentation is set to start at 630. It's free. So you don't have to worry about that. We will have uh some some food for you to come. Players are invited are asked or encouraged to invite as many folks as they can, friends and family, coaches as well, to join them. We have a Guy V. Lewis Award Facebook page for more information. So come to that. It's a great thing. Our first, the inaugural winner was uh, Rasheed Suleiman of Duke. That was two years ago. And then uh Aaron Harrison on the Twins won it last year. <coughs> so it is a great honor. It goes to the top boys high school players in the greater Duke and area. And let me tell you, the top ten players, and I've seen the list, I'm men. them in. Who are, who are going to be on this list. And, um you can go to the, you can see the top 25. I watched list. It's already on there. It's been up there for weeks at the guy, at org. But we're going to have the top 10 on there in a few days. So be patient with that. Stellar list. I have my favorite. I think it's going to win. But, doc, I'm inviting you to, to attend as well. I look forward to it. Uh, anything else you want to add?
1: No, that's everything. I, I'm excited. I'm just ready to go see some good basketball play. We just came out of some uh, good high school championships, I guess. Shout-out to North that. Shore. North Shore for getting them done. Uh, Shout-out to the Yates for getting there. Tough loss. Right. Uh, Shout-out to Manville on the, on the girls' a side for winning the, the 5A championship. Definitely. want to give some love to the high school since you going back to that level. I think this is a good place to end it in terms of uh the talent that is out there in this area. And to show you I'm how the talent at
0: the, the, the Rockets game uh Sunday – the Rockets acknowledged uh, three McDonald's High School americans from this area. On the fella side, Justice Winslow, is McDonald's All-American. Two on the girls' side: Brianna Turner from Manville signed with uh, Notre Dame, and Brooke McCarty I want to say, oh, I'm gonna have to research this real quick. I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, she's go, she's signed with Texas. Not sure why she went to Texas, but anyway. <coughs> That's my, excuse me, that's my cougar hate right there coming out. But Coach Aston's doing a fine job turning around the Longhorns and helping restore them to glory. She's doing a fine job. She and her staff up there. So, um Bert McCarty is, she's a mighty mite, Doc. I mean, she is like five foot four. Wow. she, she looks Clear Springs, I, was, I had Clear Springs in my head, but I didn't want to say it wrong. It is Clear Springs High School. She is one of the top players in the country. She's ranked 29th in the country at the ESPN Hoop HoopGirls uh, website. So, Rocks acknowledge those three. Kudos to those three young people for winning, for earning All-American status. And uh, Justice Winslow, you may see him. He is one of the top 25 on the watch list for the God v. Lewis Award from St. John. So, we talked about him on a few podcasts as well. Last but not least, Carmich USA announced, on the women's side, announced their honors, you know, first-team honors. I've said, mentioned her name many times during the podcast, many times throughout her career. Jessica Custer from Rice added to her awesome, sensational, illustrious career by becoming the first player in Conference USA history to be named to both the all-conference first team and all-defensive team four straight seasons. Wow. That means freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year, she was all conference, first team, and wow. all defense. That's how good she is. And to show you how even better Ebony Rowe is, Ebony Rowe was named Conference Say, Women's Basketball Player of the Year. So as great as Jessica Custer is, Ebony Rowe might be a little bit better yeah. <laughs> from Middle Tennessee. Both of them are in the 2,000 point 1,000 rebound club. Middle Tennessee is, is a favorite to win the Congress right. USA tournament on the women's side. Rice's, the Struck Rice's make a fourth seed in the tournament. They play FIU Tuesday. Both uh, men and women's team play Tuesday in the opening round of the CUSA, tournament with uh, Coach Williams and his women's team, well, uh, as well as Coach Ben Braun and the men's team. Good luck. They're both going to need it. There are some grumblings that both may be in trouble with their job. And next podcast, we will have to worry, schedule when we're going to get together. I'm, Sunday might be a possibility. But there may be a few Houston area teams looking for coaches. I agree. You know,
1: Rice,
0: Houston Baptist. You know, Coach Cottrell did get did not get it done this year in first year in the Southland Conference, and they really struggled. Yes, yeah, struggled cool. a lot. So we'll see. You know, if he gets another year there, you know, if they. That's a whole another issue. We we'll get into all that later on, but it's we have time for that. It's, um, it's bracketology time on the men to women's side. It's tournament time on the fellow side. We got a lot of conference tournaments, it's bracket's, it's ready. brackets ready, and uh, Warren Buffett and the billion dollar bracket. So you pick a perfect, a, a perfect bracket, you win a billion dollars.
1: You you want to be my friend,
0: and I will friend you and find you. You win a, <laughs> you win a billion dollars, just so you know. But, Doc, thank you, as always, for your insight and your input. I'll see you in tournaments this week.
1: Look forward to it.
0: And you can follow us. You look for the photos on Doc's Instagram account, which is?
1: Dr. Inyataka-Ville, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L.
0: And my Instagram account, which is Houston Round Bar Review. Houston Round Bar Review. So you can check both of us on Instagram as well as, as Twitter. Everyone, thank you very much for your support. Thank you for spreading the word about the podcast. Thank you for listening to to the podcast. Thank you for your questions and your critiques of the podcast. I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.